What's going on, everybody? It is Thursday, December 30th, 2021. For those that don't know, my name is Evan Anderson. I'm alongside one of my best friends and co-hosts of this show, Varun Chathan. This is episode 125 of the 265 Sports Podcast. It's glad to be back. It's been a while. Got another great episode for you guys this week. Of course, we're going to talk about the, the big event tomorrow, the college football playoff. Our Michigan Wolverines taking on the Georgia Bulldogs on primetime on ABC ESPN. And in the first game of the day, Alabama taking on the first group of five playoff participant, Cincinnati. We got the breakdown on both matchups for you guys. And I'm really excited to talk about Michigan considering we didn't really get to talk about Michigan during the regular season. And also, Sorry about that. <laughs> we got to talk about COVID and sports. Omicron, it's spreading like crazy. The NBA already has a record amount of players that have played this season. NHL has taken a small break. EPLs had slight postponements. NFL has had postponements. We're going to talk about the state of sports and COVID and how that is affecting teams and what we, it looks like for championship runs as we get into the playoffs and all these sports. Then we're going to reflect on the year in 2021 in sports. A lot of big moments, a lot of great storylines happen. Bruno and I are going to tell you some favorites. And, of course, we got the weekly picks, which it's been a while. Should have had a, large, long, excuse me, a larger record for picks, but as the picks stand... If you listen to episode 124, which was all the way back in early October, the records right now stand. I am 28, 21, and 1. Varun is 22, 27, and 1. But we got another great slate of picks for you guys this week, both college football playoff games and five NFL big-time matchups. It's good to be back on the mic. It's been a while. Uh, Varun already said he was sorry, so... We'll just leave it at that. Hopefully School's going, tough, guys. Hopefully School's going tough. forward, we're more consistent, and we're here for you guys. But it's good to be back. I'm ready to get into it. If Varun is ready. I'm ready. I am ready. This is episode 125 of the 265 Sports Podcast. Let's get it, baby. Jumping right into the big event of the weekend as my dog comes rowling into my room. Oh my crazy. lord. The zoomies, the zoomies. Arbor, just chill. But getting into the college football playoff, Varun, we have a lot of new storylines. Yes. A lot of old storylines. You have a couple old storylines. A couple old storylines, but mostly new storylines. Yes. Obviously, Two new teams making their playoff debut. Yes. The wonderful Michigan Wolverines and the group of five, the little guys. The ones I wanted in the first round. Yes, I think we all wanted them in the first round. I think we deserved them in the first round. But the little guys getting in for once. The University of Cincinnati making the college football playoff. Um, Varun, just talk about the fact that two new teams made the playoff. What does this mean for the future of the playoff? And what, is this, what does this say about well, see, is the committee getting it right? Well, the committee had to get it right this year. There's no other way to go with this. You cannot put in Notre Dame over Cincinnati when Cincinnati has a head-to-head win. And there's no other factors that play in, like Cincinnati blowing a game against an AAC school. There's nothing there. Yeah. So there was no other direction for the committee to go. Now, had Oklahoma State you know, not 
completely shit themselves on the one yard line, two straight drives against yeah. Baylor. Yeah. Then we have a discussion here. Yeah, like that's where the that's where the committee could have gotten in some trouble. Of does Oklahoma State belong in, or does Cincy belong in? Yeah, like that's where we get the. That issues. would have been an interesting debate. That would have been a real interesting debate. I would have. Down the stretch, if they had beaten Baylor, that would have been a really impressive down the stretch run what, for in Oklahoma the State. Championship? Yeah. yeah. That, that would have been, been a really, really impressive win. That would have been a really hard thing for me to say they don't deserve to be in, especially being a conference champion. But that's neither here nor there. That didn't happen. And I definitely think that the loser of the SEC championship, Georgia, might have been out if Oklahoma State had won. I don't think they would have been out. Really? No, you think they were a lock? I regardless? think they were a lock, regardless. Okay. Um, I I think short of them losing sixty three to nothing, there wasn't anything that could that could have happened where they don't get in. But they didn't lose sixty three to nothing, instead they lost forty two to fourteen. We'll talk about that later. Um, I've got some thoughts on on Michigan and Georgia, but for the for the playoff committee, hold. There's no way for them to mess this up. No, I think no chance they could have. The messed four this teams up. they got right. I think that. And even though we are Michigan fans, I think we are unbiased in saying this. I don't understand how Michigan isn't playing Cincy right now. And you know why? I mean, we know why. They're, they're they were never gonna, gonna, gonna do it. it. They're never gonna say it, but if you look, they were never it gonna do the rematch. A rematch. It should have been. A they rematch, were never gonna but do they it. They were never gonna whatever. do it, and that's okay. Whatever. We know money talks. Whatever. Um, you p- we'll play who's in front of us, but. But let's get into Bama versus Cincy. Yeah, let's, let's just start with the short one first. Yeah, let's just talk about the opener tomorrow. Obviously, quarterback-driven teams right here. Heisman Trophy winner Bryce Young taking on a quarterback who's flying up the, up draft, the quarterback yeah. ratings. And up the draft and, boards. In Desmond Ritter, a guy who is athletic. Two different quarterbacks. Not completely. necessarily a great, accurate quarterback, but makes yep. throws, can make plays happen. And with then his you got feet, Bryce, too. And then you got Bryce Young. Yep, Ritter can make some plays with his feet. Then you got Bryce Young, who's about four inches shorter than Ritter. Yeah. About 20 pounds, but maybe 30, 30 rounds lighter. Probably has a better arm, though. Yeah. Way more poise in the pocket and way more accurate. Yeah. Um, let's just talk a little bit about what you're looking forward to this tomorrow because I got I got I got a matchup, but I really want to hear you. I've got first. my one singular matchup, and that's Sauce Gardner on Jameson Williams. Oh, you took mine. That is the one matchup that's I care a, about. That's, that's a Sauce great Gardner, Jameson Williams. Now we see how good Sauce Gardner is. Yep. So you hear all this stuff about Gardner this, Gardner that. Yep. And we know Jamison Williams is the real deal. We know Jameson we know Jamison Williams is going to be a top I ten was pick. The real deal when he got caught that pass. touchdown against Clemson, the Clemson touchdown, but also against Georgia in the SEC championship this year. The way that he broke away, yes, in that first he's touchdown got speed he had, like crazy. Oh my god, speed like crazy. Jamison Williams is the real deal. Now we find out if Sauce Gardner is the real deal. You know, like they've got a lot of good players. That's according they've to the got nation, according to the awards. According to the awards, according to the awards, best best corner in the nation. Um, I think we'll see. Denzel Burke has a lot to say about that from Ohio State. Um, you know, there's there's a lot to be said about is Sauce Gardner good in football terms, or is he good in AAC playing the AAC thing? Yeah, because. We'll find out. We'll find out. He does not get targeted much. 
No, he doesn't. And I have a feeling that he'll follow. There's also another corner that got drafted really high because he didn't get targeted a lot, and now it looks like he's going to be a safety because he just tore his Achilles. Who? Jeff Okuda. Oh, Okuda. Oh, my God. Poor Okuda. I, I vouched for it. I vouched for Okuda. I mean, and, and let's not forget, they have another unbelievable safety on the other side, Kobe Bryant. Yes, there's a player named Kobe Bryant on this team. Um, so it's these two bookend receivers, or bookend corners. Yep. And remember, Bam is now down to one elite receiver as opposed to two. Where's John Mechie? He tore his Achilles. Well, there goes his draft stock. Um, He tore his Achilles, so... He's got that. They've got that whole deal. But then you got to remember, Bama's got all these receiving threats. They've got Jaleel Billingsley, who's a little bit of a mixture of a tight end and a receiver. They've got Slade Bolden, who Bowling Green's finest Slade Bolden. He's a transfer from Bowling Green. Did you know that? Um, he is indeed a transfer from Bowling Green. Um, but he's a very, very, very competent slot receiver. A little bit bigger of a slot receiver than you would expect, but very competent slot receiver. Mm-hmm. They've still got weapons to attack you with, mm-hmm. and there's still the lines you got to deal with. Like Cincinnati, up until Georgia last year, has never faced a line like Bama's. And I think Bama's offensive line this year is better than Georgia's was last year. Mm-hmm. So whatever kind of push that Cincinnati can try to create, that is that's the overarching key in in keeping this close. Because if they allow Cincinnati, if they allow Bama to just run up and down, up and down, we're going to have a real problem here real fast with Cincinnati. Well, really fast. Because they can still run the football. Mm-hmm. They may not have the, the stud running back. Brian Robinson may, be not, may not be, you know, Najee Harris. Or, yeah. But, like. He's no slouch. He's not bad. At the end of the day. By um, no means is he bad. I really want to, since you took my matchup, I really want to emphasize another matchup that I'm looking forward to tomorrow is is how does Luke Fickle and the rest of that defensive staff scheme against Bryce Young? Mm-hmm. Um, we know how if you give Bryce Young time in the pocket, he's going to pick you apart. Um, but at the same time, Luke Fickle is one of the best defensive minds in college football, and it's going to be real interesting to see what they do against the Heisman Trophy winner. Um, does that mean you send five? Does that mean you run more outside mm-hmm. pass rush? Are you going to try to collapse the pocket? I'm really looking forward to that because where we've seen Bryce Young and Alabama's offense struggle is when it's rushed. Yep. Uh, Texas A&M did a really good job of that. Auburn's defensive line does a really conversely, good job Conversely, Georgia didn't do that. And conversely, Georgia did not do that. Bryce had not six, make Bryce seven young. seconds in the pocket yep. to make decisions, and what did he do? He picked diced them him apart. Diced him. And, and one thing with Jameson Williams is he a lot. He his yards per reception over twenty yards per reception. Yeah, like big play guy. They can take the top off of you. Yes, like that. Yes. Now I spoke about Jaleel Billingsley. Um, he hasn't played like at all. Um, Bama has one receiver outside of um, outside of. Jameson Williams, who will have more than 15 catches entering this game. That's Slade Bolden. Um, and he doesn't but, even make a real down-to-down impact for real. But look for a guy like Cameron Latu, their other tight end. 
Um, I, I, I have a feeling we'll see a lot of Trayshawn Holder and JoJo Elder, or JoJo Earl, sorry, um, in this game. They're two younger receivers that haven't gotten on the field much because you have a Jamison Williams and you had a John Mechie. So I, I'm looking at which receivers can make an impact. I'm, you know, JoJo Earl can make an impact. Trayshawn Holden can make an impact. You know, this isn't a game where you're going to see Slade Bolden targeted 15 times. No. No, they're going to throw the ball a ton. They're going to throw the ball a ton because this is an uncharacteristically average Bama rushing attack. It's a very average Bama rushing attack as far as Bama standards go. Um, and we all know that Bryce Young does not like to move. Doesn't move at all. His long rush on the year is 16 yards, and he has a total of 31 yards rushing on the season. Mm-hmm. So Bryce Young does not like to move. When he moves, he moves to pass. He doesn't move to run. So it'll be interesting for us to see if if Cincinnati can create that situation where you flush out Bryce Young and you get Bryce Young into a position where he's throwing the ball outside of the pocket without a clean look. Mm-hmm. If they can do that, they have a chance. Now, on the flip side, though, offensively for, for Cincinnati, it comes down to, like, one key thing, and that's making sure that, that uh, what's his name, Anderson? Uh, Will Anderson. The running back? No, the, the linebacker for Bama. Will Anderson doesn't completely wreck their game. Oh, I thought you were talking about no, from no, no, like no, no, a no, Cincinnati no. perspective. No, no, no. no. Will and- the Bama linebackers are good. Henry Toe Toe, Will Anderson, Christian Harris is good. It's not a vintage Bama defensive back group. No, it's not. They've got they've got a veteran back there in in Josh Job who's played a lot of football, who's played yeah. in these games. Yep. They have Jordan Battle, although I don't know if Jordan Battle is playing. Um, I don't. Is he playing? I don't remember if Jordan Battle's playing. Um, he is playing. Okay. Yeah. Jordan Battle and DeMarco Hellams are their, their two young guys that are studs. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I shouldn't say young. Jordan Battle's draft eligible. But they're two guys that are, you know, haven't in the past gotten as much playing time that are studs. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's can the offense of Cincinnati, which is largely, largely unexplosive, you know, kind of wear you out. Can they stick to that? Can they generate enough push to where you slow down a uh, a Christian Harris? When you slow down Henry Toto, when you slow down um, uh, Will Anderson, and making sure that those three don't completely destroy your game because they're attacking linebackers. All three of those guys are attacking linebackers. So as long as you don't let them wreck your game, you have a chance. Yeah, Raiders' feet are going to be key. The run game is going to be a key. They average good yards on the ground. Mm-hmm. They're, they're a very productive rushing team. Mm-hmm. And they're very consistent. They have 19 touchdowns from Jerome Ford, their running back. So it's all about mitigating all those factors where Bama has a massive talent disparity and making sure they don't wreck your game plan. If Cincy can get three yards a carry consistently, I think they have a chance to really stay in the game. I think Cincy needs to play. There's no point where Cincy can get down like 10 to 14-0. No. If they we get, cannot they cannot allow that to happen. If they get blitzed in the first 8 minutes, it's a wrap. It's over. It's over because then Bryce Young's going to be feeling himself. Jameson Williams is going to be in a groove. You know, 
Bill O'Brien's going to be in a play-calling groove. And then there's no stop in the offensive machine. Absolutely. It doesn't matter how much you 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 neutralize the the the, the front seven for Bama if uh, Bama's offense gets into their groove and they play from a lead and Saban doesn't want to let up because why would he? Yeah. So so avoiding avoiding that opening 10-0, 14-0 storm that could very well happen that happens characteristically for Bama games. Avoiding that is key. And then not being afraid of the moment is key too. There's going to be a lot of opportunities for this team to just play happy to be there, afraid of the moment kind of deal. You cannot play. You cannot play afraid of the moment. They have to play like they want to win this thing. If you're just there to, oh, we made it, we're one of the final four teams, they're going to get destroyed. And I don't think they will. I I don't don't think think they they will. will either. Um, we'll obviously get to the picks later, but I think this is uh, an interesting matchup. I think that the two quarterbacks, they play at a high level. I think they can do a lot of damage and, and, and get it done. I, I truly believe that these guys can put on a show, and either one of them, both of them are capable of leading their teams to victory. Yes, and, and, and let's not also forget that Cincinnati does have a system-wise, it does have a tough defense a three-three-five, something that Bama doesn't see a lot, you and know. something that's going to challenge receivers that aren't proven. You know, remember we have receivers that aren't proven for Bama. Uh-huh. Um, it's going to challenge receivers that aren't proven, especially because they're going to stick either Sauce Gardner or Kobe Bryant on, on Jameson Williams, yep. and they're going to have another second-team All-American on the other side. Yep. You know, it, I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be Sauce, and then Kobe Bryant on whoever they want. Yeah, and then then you realize, holy shit, Kobe Bryant's the second team All American, and so if these guys are truly what they that are. caliber, yeah. if Sauce Gardner's truly a first round corner, yeah, then it'll challenge Bama to find unique ways to get into space. Jamison Williams open to to utilize those tight ends that they have to utilize a Cameron Lock to it a in a role that's not just around the goal line, because yep. he's mostly used around the goal line. Yep. He and has if, a lot of touchdowns, not many catches. And if those corners can play like what they're, what the media talks about them, what they're capable, yes, what, then that makes this game very winnable. Outside, this game can make, become very be winnable for Cincy. If, yep. If Bama can't get on the outside, it's going to be interesting. I'm curious to see if they play a system where one of those two corners, yeah, if they alternate, well, however they deal with those two corners, if they follow Jamison Williams, because then if Jamison Williams starts getting moved, yeah. And get stuck on a safety. Yeah. Like if you and, and and they don't bump Gardner or they don't bump Bryant down inside the nickel. Yep. Because they don't feel comfortable leaving him on the inside. Yes. Hundred percent agree. Like like how do they adjust to where all of a sudden Saban is asking Bill O'Brien to move Jamison Williams around? You know, get him the ball in unique ways, bring him on orbits, moving him into the slot, mm-hmm. stacking. All this, all the crazy stuff that Bama doesn't have to do normally because they're not challenged. If yeah. they can challenge, yeah. how do they react to the secondary adjustment from Bama? Because they will make an adjustment, yeah. and it will be a coherent adjustment that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. How will Bama? How will Cincy be able to shift their coverage skills into? Hey, Jamison Williams is no longer lining up outside. Yeah. Where Gardner and Bryant can just stick on them. Yeah. You know, now we have him on the slot. I don't want my nickel guarding Jameson Williams while he runs a deep post against cover two. Facts. 
Facts. So that's that's really that's the secondary chess matches. Following that initial adjustment of how they decide to use him, how, how do they decide to use Jameson Williams? Is how Cincinnati reacts to that movement. Absolutely. And let's get to the other matchup, the primetime match of the big game. Our Michigan Wolverines taking on the Georgia Bulldogs. And Varun, obviously, last time we we were at the show, we were about, about three a, weeks month out. In, a month into the college football three season. Three weeks out from the MSU game. We're three weeks away. And at the time, you know, we, we, we said... I believed more than you did. Definitely, but I liked what I was seeing. Yes. You weren't you didn't have no belief, but I believed a lot more than you did. And then at the time, Georgia looked like the clear world beaters. World beaters. Here I we still are. said I still said just hold on, but they looked like they would beat Bama. And here we are in December, two days before the new year. Yep. One, less than twenty four hours before the game. Yep. And it feels like the whole narrative is flipped, right? Yes. Michigan, now Michigan plays with their Michigan, hair on fire. Michigan plays with their hair on fire. We're the most physical team in college football. This Georgia defense gets exposed by Bryce Young in this mm-hmm. Alabama offense. Cade McNamara, Dan Orlovsky said it. Doesn't look like this guy gets enough credit for actually how well of a playmaker well, he, plays, he is. Yeah. Yes, and what how well he Mind plays you, He has more role. yards than Setson Bennett. That's. I'm just saying. He has more yards than Setson Bennett. But... You have to, uh, you have to be excited as a Michigan fan, and obviously Varun and I were excited throughout this whole thing to beat Ohio yes. State. We could talk about it forever, but we'll we'll we get to that in our react in our year in review. Yes, and reflections, but um, more so to talk about what I expect to see tomorrow. This is going to be a dogfight, man. This is going to be a dogfight. But when I say it's a dogfight, as Tyrese Maxey just kills one of my parlays. <laughs> what was the parlay? I took his under 10.5 points. He already beat it? He has 11 oh my with that dog. God. <laughs> Jesus, man. Tyrese Maxey. Can't bet with him. Can't bet against him. But um, but we talk about, <laughs> hey, Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo absolutely have to be impactful. I mean, we're talking about Aiden Hutchinson might be the first overall pick yes. in the NFL draft. We are actually talking David about David Ojabo is a top 10 pick, possibly. Is a possible top 10 pick. You guys want to solidify that? Do it one more time. Do it two more times, really. Really just do it one more time. But really, do it one more time. Let's and then see what happens yes. later on. And let's get to the national championship. But I believe that if these guys play like how they played... The last time we saw him in the Big Ten Championship against Iowa and how we saw him the week before against Ohio State. Mostly against Ohio State. We have a legitimate chance to physically dominate Georgia. Yes. We have the most physical offensive line. Their D-line just got pushed around in the SEC Championship. Our offensive line just pushed around Ohio State's defensive line Mm -hmm. and just pushed around Iowa. Now, Iowa's not great shakes. Let's not get kid ourselves. No. Iowa's not great. But... But, so here's the thing. Okay, I'm going to get to my little zone here. Okay. So this is what Georgia is. Georgia is an old school with no tempo. Georgia does not run tempo. Nope. Georgia is an old school, ram it down your throat offense with a classical Nick Saban defense. Cover four shell, too. Okay. It's a classical Nick Saban defense. So what's going to happen is they're not going to be a team 
that, you know, how Michigan, they'll come into Prowl. You'll have one down defensive tackle and six guys standing around the line of scrimmage. Yep. Crowding it, right? Yep. And it's, like, up to you to determine, are they coming or are they dropping? Yep. Georgia doesn't attack like that. Georgia will come out in base. They'll sit their safeties back. They'll sit their linebackers back. They won't crowd the line of scrimmage, but they will attack downhill. Okay? They will attack in a different way than any team that Ohio, that Michigan has faced attacks them. Mm-hmm. What Michigan has to be able to do is run outside with their creativity like they have been doing. Getting the ball on these reverses. These splits. These split zones are going to be... We, we've run them in the past. Michigan's run them a billion times in the past. They've kind of cut down on it. They're more of a pill and pull, pit and pull, power, um, counter, counter team. There are a lot of counters on this team. A lot of counters run by this team. Um, I think this is going to be a game where this... Where the split end, or the split zone, mm-hmm. split read, mm-hmm. is going to be important because then you get Nakobe Dean thinking. Then you get the linebackers thinking. Then you get the defensive line to flow side to side instead of attacking downhill like they normally do. Yep. Because um, what, what they're going to come out in, in my anticipation, if I was coordinating this defense, is I would watch the Patriots tape against the LA Rams in the Super Bowl. We're going after the wide zone team. Uh-huh. The team that likes to run the zone, the stretch zone to the outside yeah. and looks for a cutback lane. Yeah. I would look at that because what 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 Michigan likes to do is they'll pull tr- they'll, they'll they'll pull and they'll pull off tackle. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think a uh, play like pulling off tackle can be neutralized by rushing upfield. Mm-hmm. You get your linebackers flowing upfield. You just outnumber them on one side. You outflank. Yeah. And Georgia's defensive ends are good at setting the edge. Yeah. And then Nicobe Dean's going to take away the isos, the powers, the dives, the mm-hmm. straight-ahead runs. Mm-hmm. That's when you can get traps coming in. That's when you can get a pulling guard to just come right back around on a trap. Yeah. Or you run off tackle, then you run the center trap. Yeah. So that's how you get the run game going. Yeah. Georgia defensively on the back end is unbelievably vulnerable to the deep ball. And if there's anything well, that we watched learned, it in the SEC championship game, they gave well, up even before that, big plays. Even before that. Against Kentucky, Will Levis had a very nice day. Even before like Alabama, they have they have been generally vulnerable on the back end. You know, what was Levis threw thirty two for forty two, one ninety two and two touchdowns. You know, Michigan has numbers like that. They're not winning. The problem, the good thing is for for Michigan to look at that Kentucky thing is they have a way better defense than Kentucky has. Stetson Bennett is not throwing for 12 yards a throw against the Michigan defense unless he has like three throws mm-hmm. and they just have to be completed. Um, and, and so that's for the for 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 Michigan. It's it's sticking committed to that run game. I've I've heard this on super on several occasions from several different people. I would love Michigan to run a fleet flicker on the first play. I'm not even joking. On the first play. On the first play, you run a flea flicker. You know why? Every person in that building, outside of the Michigan coaching staff, of course, and but players that are on the offense, will be expecting the dive down the middle. 
or the off tackle or the split. Whatever it is, they're expecting a run. Run the flea flicker on the first play. Put Just put Angel Anthony out there. Put Cornelius Johnson out there. Actually, put Roman Wilson out there. Run the flea flicker on the first play. Get all those attacking linebackers. Because remember, George is going to be amped up too. I think, A, Michigan must take ball first. George is deferring if they get it. If Michigan wins the toss, I think we must take ball first. Really? Play from the lead. Get Stetson Bennett in a position. I'll get to the Stetson Bennett thing. I'll get to the defense. But get Stetson Bennett in a position to throw. Now, defensively for Michigan. Georgia does not have their normal stable of the who's who of running backs in the NFL. There's no, you know... They have a nice... They have a nice stable. But they don't have... They don't have... It's Todd Gurley. They don't have a Nick Chubb. They, they don't, don't have, have a, a Sony Michelle. They, they don't, don't have, have that no guy. Sean Moreno. They don't have that guy. Those guys. They don't have that one signature guy. Zamir White and James Cook rotate a lot, and they're pretty good. They're decent backs. Not taking anything away from them. But this Georgia offensive line struggled against what I think isn't as good of a defensive front in Bama. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I don't think Bama has as good of a defensive front as Michigan does. Mm-hmm. I do think their linebackers are better, but from a defensive line perspective, mm-hmm. I do think Michigan has a better defensive line. And 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 Hutchinson is a good guy to anchor when you're trying to run at him. I think George is going to try to run at him early. Yeah, he's still a good anchor. Yeah, to kind of set the edge and buy time for the linebackers to flow. Yeah. This is going to be a game where you see a lot of Junior Colson moving and turning around and trying to, to cover for the set edge. Yeah. It's going to be a big game for, for a guy like Nikai Hill-Green, who's going to have – they're going to have to rotate on Bowers, that freshman tight end. Oh, my goodness, that kid is good. Brock Bowers is insane. Brock Bowers is going to be in that next category of Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, TJ He's Hodgson. Kyle Pitts right now. He's Kyle Pitts right now. He's not Kyle Pitts. He's as athletic as Kyle Pitts. I don't know Yes. He is as athletic as Kyle Pitts. Not has a better ver- he he's a, has a higher vertical and he's as fast as Kyle Pitts. He is in that category. And guess what? He's a freshman. Um, he is their receiving threat now. Of course, you're gonna have George Pickens out there. Mm-hmm. But you have Michigan has shown that they can handle three receivers. They handled the three best receivers. They handled trio the, in the nation. They only allowed one touchdown for those three receivers. The other passing touchdown was to Travion Henderson on a hurry up. Yeah. Oh, guess what? George doesn't run hurry up. Your tempo problems that you've had against Michigan State, against Ohio State, against Penn State, gone. This this team does not run tempo. This team is not comfortable running tempo. So Mike McDonald, you can run whatever substitution packages you want, whatever crazy stunts and, and walking up linebackers and dropping them out right before the snap. You can do whatever you want because you're not getting any tempo out of this team. Yep. And guess what the second part is? You don't have three great receivers to look for. You have one Lad McConkey and one pretty good receiver. And guess what? You stick Dax on one of them, you bracket the other one. That's what you do. And I think you're going to see a rotation here. You're going to see a pretty. I, I I like the rotation that I that I would do. I would I would take turns. Brad Hawkins on Brock Bowers. Then Rod Moore on Brock Bowers. Rod Moore, unsung hero of this team, by the way, freshman, plays a really important role in that safety spot. 
Rod Moore on Brock Bowers. A little bit of Dax on Brock Bowers, and then switching back over to Pickens when you're done. Kind of thing. Maybe a little Nikai Hill Green to just add a guy with size to guarding Bowers. And and guess what? Pickens has played like two games all year. He has three catches on the season. Three. Jesus. So like, how much are you getting out of Pickens? The key for Michigan is to go up early. Make Stetson Bennett, who I think is a Walmart version of Cade McNamara. I really do. I really think that th- that Michigan has the decided quarterback advantage in this game. And in a big game, we're saying this about Michigan, when was the last time we could say that? I think they have the decided quarterback advantage. I think there is no trust in Stetson Bennett. The confidence in Stetson Bennett has eroded like crazy since the Bama game. They want JT Daniels to start now. On a playoff team, they want to make a quarterback change during playoff practices. The only reason we want to see JJ is for like four times a game to do some crazy stuff. Like, the way that Michigan has handled the JJ, Cade, Cade, JJ carousel has been perfect. I love it. I know we had a big problem with it earlier in the year. It's evolved. Cade no longer just, JJ just no longer comes in and just runs the ball. See Ohio State. See the end of Iowa where he's gutting it. Um, make Sets and Bennett have to win this game. And then you get the doubts creeping. Then you get the train of, are we as good as we were during the season? Was it all real? Are we any good? Who has Georgia played? You tell and me beaten. Besides Bama? And played and beaten. Oh, played and beaten? Uh, your best win, <sighs> Clemson, where you didn't score an offensive touchdown, and you won 10-3 to against that abomination of an offense. Arkansas, how good is Arkansas now? Is Arkansas any good? Because they just, I think they just, uh, yeah, they ended the year pretty badly, losing three straight, one of which to Auburn, who is a travesty. Florida, you need a miracle in the, at the end of the first half. And by miracle, I mean Anthony Richardson shit the game away for Florida. <laughs> Anthony Richardson. Like, you have played no one. This would be the second best offense you've played if you're Georgia. How do you respond if Michigan kicks you in the teeth? And that's why I say take the ball first. Kick Georgia in the teeth. Let's see if they're really confident or if that's just the emotion of we have another chance. If they're really confident in what their game plan is for this game, kick George in the teeth, see what happens. Because I guarantee you, they're not going to be able to come out guns a-blazing on offense. They're not going to be able to do that. This is not the style of offense. This is not the quarterback. This is not the receiver core. It's not even the running back room. And guess what? The offensive line, not that good. Not that good. Michigan has the best offensive line in America. Georgia does not have that good of an offensive line. Bama abused them. Harassed Stetson Bennett. Made him so uncomfortable. Yeah. So those are the keys. It's really makes sense in Bennett win this game. Because I think conversely, Cade McNamara can win this game. He showed it against State. He threw a bad last pick, but he threw for a bajillion yards and three touchdowns and two touchdowns. I think a lot of this game is going to come down to 
uh, in-game adjustments, and I think that's something that Harbaugh and staff have been really good at this year, um, taking what they see in the first half and adjusting mm-hmm. well. I think Georgia really didn't have to do that a lot this year because they were in control so much of their game. But when they finally had to against Alabama, they completely folded. So mm-hmm. I'll really be looking to see what Kirby and his staff do. Obviously, Dan Lanning, the now Oregon football head coach, is now, going this? to be calling plays. And I think that's really interesting because he hasn't been with the team a whole bunch. And now you're coming back to call plays. You've been recruiting and you've been doing the whole Oregon press conference. Which more to you. More power to you. Yep. That's your job. That's what you're supposed to do. But to come in and to think that you're going to call plays and on a short notice when the guys have been practicing, other coaches have been talking about schematics and all those other things, it... I don't know. It's it just it's kind of weird to me. I think it's and less of a less of a preparation standpoint, and more of where is his head at. And I think it has. I think it has a huge advantage for Michigan. I think that is. I think the cohesion amongst the coaching staff, not having to deal with changes, not having to deal with yep. with you hold on to Gattis. Leaving, you don't have players opting out. I mean, this is just these are the types of things that when it comes to a game like this. Those things matter, and and Dan mm-hmm. Lanning not being there, I think that's that might have an effect on this Georgia defense, and we'll just have to we'll, we'll see. Just have to see. Also, remember Michigan Michigan offensive line doesn't allow sacks. Nope. They have they've only given up multiple sacks in a game one time. It was Penn State. They're physical, man. They, They're physical. That's a physical. This offensive is a line. physical offensive line. This is a great offensive line. Feels like a Harbaugh Stanford team offensive We're line. We're back. We're back to it. Stop it! I meant the I meant the the way that we run the ball. Yeah, I would hope so. We're back no, to it. Yeah, none of that under center bullshit no more. We're in 2021. I don't care about all that. We but have to run the ball effectively. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're gonna discuss about COVID slash Omicron in sports. We're gonna reflect on the year, make some picks, and close the show. Stick with us. Second half of the 265 Sports Podcast is coming right back. Welcome back from the break. Let's jump into a little bit about the depleted availability of players in sports across the globe due to the Omicron virus outbreak. Again, dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. Just doesn't want to go away. Varun, as I alluded to in the intro, NBA already up to the most players it's seen play in a single season already. Mm-hmm. We're not even... To the All-Star break. We're not even to the New Year yet. Um, The NHL took a pause just recently, Mm -hmm. right before Christmas with its break, uh, giving about a week off. Pulled all their players out of the Olympics. Yep, pulled all their players out of the Olympics. Games just started back up yesterday. We've seen EPL matches Mm -hmm. uh, varied by teams, postponed. Tottenham went through an outbreak. Liverpool has had a couple games postponed, not because of Liverpool, but just of who they played. Bowl games. Bowl games canceled. We saw the NFL have to deal with postponements again. Another Tuesday game for the second year in a row. I mean, what is what is your thoughts on where we're at right now with COVID in sports? And obviously another thing to point out, the college football playoff with their protocols, just talking about teams could forfeit yeah. and things of that nature due to COVID and what is your first of all? I don't think we're getting anything out of COVID in the college football playoff. I, 
for other reasons. Not anything untoward, but like, let's just say COVID doesn't exist in the New Year's Six world. Just think about why that would be for a second. How much money would there be to lose if there wasn't a fucking college football playoff? A lot of money. Idiotic amounts, right? There's not going to be a COVID issue with the college football playoff. Conveniently. So let's get that out of the way. I think sports currently is operating in an archaic way as it relates to to COVID. Mm-hmm. We have a vaccine. Yep. I think it was like 99.7% of NFL players are vaccine, vaccinated or some, some stupid number like that. Some really high, some some really high number. Somewhere. Some really high number. Yep. Why are we testing on asymptomatic people? Do you get tested when you go to work? No. I don't get tested when I go to school. We don't get tested when we walk into stadiums. Nope. They live under a completely different set of rules and guidelines than we do. Mm-hmm. Until you start showing symptoms, you don't get tested, right? Yep. That's your that's your That's my prerogative. That's my prerogative. That's my parents' prerogative. Until something big is about to happen, like us leaving the country, mm-hmm. or I, have, I show symptoms, I don't get tested. Why? Because there's no need to poke a tree when there's nothing going on, right? Mm-hmm. You don't take medicine for something that you don't know that you have. Correct. I think the way that they handle... Testing. It's clear to me now, and it's clear to a lot of people, mm-hmm. we're going to have to figure out a way to just push through this. Because everybody's not going to be on the same page. Forget that. It's just going to be around. Oh, it, w- this is a thing. This is a thing. We're going to have to... F- it's going to become... We're going to deal with COVID for the rest of our life. This is going to be the seasonal flu to us. It's going to be something like that. I definitely read that... Next year, people view it as we're, we're going to be on the back stretch, that it's going to be more of a seasonal thing, and that with the improvements of the vaccine and as the... As, the, as, as we improve and we figure out the variants and all that, yep. this is, this is going to be something that we have to learn to live with. Yes. And the world can't stop because an asymptomatic person has COVID. I'm sorry. I know this is a sensitive subject for people. No. Nope. And I'm not an anti-vaxxer. You're vaccinated. I, I have a trip. I've taken the booster, too. Yeah, I'm, we're boosted up, baby. Boosted, boosted brothers. Bo- boosted brothers. That's the worst thing you've ever said in your life. Never again, please. We're boosted. We're double vaccinated. I got my vaccination before any of my friends got my vaccination. I rushed to that shit. Oh, I was ready. February. Remember, I got the call from the VA. I, I rushed was, to that I shit. Was jealous. Let, let's not let's not get this twisted. Not jealous in a negative way, but damn, I really want mine now, damn it. Let's not get it twisted. I'm not anti-vaccine in any stretch. I'm I not think, anti-mask in any the, stretch. A, the asymptomatic thing, it shows that the vaccine works. Yes. What what do we hear from even <clears throat> Donald Trump? <laughs> Did you see that interview interview with Candace Owens? Yes. What do we hear from your heroes, Donald Trump? That it works. The vaccine works. The vaccine works. It does what it's supposed to. It keeps people out of hospitals. The vast majority of people are unvaccinated that are in hospitals. Listen to your hero. Listen to your hero. So, so as, what I'm getting as at. Where we are at now, yes. 
Correlation to sports. Correlation to sports. I think the way that the leagues deal with players and this testing all the time thing. He's positive. He's positive. He's positive. He's positive. How many of these guys are exhibiting symptoms? We don't know. But, like, theoretically. How many of these guys? I mean, from what the reports are and what we find out after they test positive, a lot of them aren't. Most of them aren't. Because the vast majority of them aren't. Because they're vaccinated. I, I don't know, like, how we can continue to operate in this in this world. We can't. We cannot operate in a world where the moment you have non-contagious COVID, the world shuts down. Your world shuts down. We cannot operate like that. Not with the rate at which we're going. And we've seen, and we've seen it affect other teams. Mm-hmm. We've seen it affect NBA games and how watchable they are there. You know how many blowouts there have been? Unwatchable. You know how many blowouts there have been? Oh my god. It is so unwatchable. I don't watch the NBA anymore. It As is a better? It's it's hard to bet on. It is impossible. I, I cannot watch the NBA. It is absolutely abysmal. It's hard to bet on. It's hard to bet on, that's for sure. So I really do think they've got to update how they deal with the vaccine, not the vaccine, but like how they deal with vaccinated asymptomatic people. You got to update that because this is unsustainable. In any industry, this is unsustainable. Yeah. If you did this in Silicon Valley and did the same thing, you're out of work for 10 days. Now, Silicon Valley is a bad, bad example because they all work from home. But let's say restaurant injury in, in industry. There we go. Restaurant industry, yeah. where you have to have people on site. Yeah. Let's say they apply this to the restaurant injury industry. Industry would die. Gone. That industry is gonzo. Hotel industry, gone. Airline industry, gone. All those industries, gone. So why are we doing this with sports? We don't do it for anything else in the world. Entertainment, music, you know... Anything. We don't do this with anything. I think it's all that these leagues have their own protocol. It's that. You know what it is? These leagues are so public, they have to be the like the moral high ground, per se. They have to make themselves believe that the moral high ground. You know, that's not a, that's not a bad way to look at it. That, that's, what, that's why they have such a stricter... Because think about it, right? If they just let players roam free... What would the general public say? You don't care, blah blah you don't, blah. Yeah, you guys don't do anything. I get why. Know. I get why they had to put the the protocols that they have into place mm-hmm. because they're a more public industry than anything in the yep. Ameri- in the United States. Yeah, and and sports in general, more public industry than anything in the world, yep. as far as as far as it goes from the minute by minute person to person coverage. Of each of the employees involved. Mm-hmm. There's no more public industry in the world than sports. Yep. So I get why they had to do that. But you've got to evolve. And that's why I think we've seen these meetings. And we've seen that the new protocols for asymptomatic and vaccinated players. Is different. To mm-hmm. Is different. You know, lower the length of isolation. And what is your thoughts about that? Because it's kind of correlating now with what the CDC just said about five days. What do you think to all those anti-vexers and conspiracy theorists who sit there and say, it works. 
hey, I don't know what else hey, to tell you. They're just trying to get you back to work. Hey, hey, they're just trying to get you back to work. Do you not want to work? Do you not want to make money? I, I don't understand, like... Oh, we're just sending sick people now to work. I, I don't understand what's going on. Like, I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. I don't stop my life when I get the flu. I get it. It's different. It kills people differently. But, but... This isn't going anywhere. No. COVID? Not going anywhere. It's It's evident. It's clear that COVID isn't going anywhere. Very clear. You have to adapt. You have to learn. And you have to figure this out. Because if you don't, then we're going to be in an unending cycle of this. This shit. Of the world is ending. And we're back. The world is ending. And we're back. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's going to be a fucking wave. Yep. You have to evolve. And, and I, I don't know... I, I, I know that's going to make me sound insensitive and, 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 and whatever. I get people die. I understand. It's, it's a rough, rough thing. It's a very touchy subject for a lot of people. You know, and I understand that and I understand the gravity of the situation. Trust me. I was the first in line to get mine. I want to get mine. I want to be back to normal. But at some point, you gotta learn and change and amend things and figure it out. Hopefully, we're closer to figuring it out. I hope so, man. I, I truly do. But I just I just um, am thankful for um, the response that I've seen that the leagues do. I think that they they do the best. They're they working can. on it. Uh, I think things like the NBA doing with hardship con hardship contracts. That's uh, just funny. Hardship contracts are just funny because of like the names that you see. Oh, it's anybody. All right, Bruno, let's make some picks this week. Let's start off with the college football playoff. We got Bama taking on Cincy. Bama minus 13 and a half. Where are you going? I just don't see it. The number's too big. The talent disparity's too big. I'm taking Bama off principle. I just don't see the, I don't, I don't see the points really adding up here. I'm taking Cincy because I believe in Luke Fickle. Like I said earlier, I believe in him and his coaching staff, and I believe in Desmond Ritter. I think 13.5 is too big of a line. I'm going with the underdogs. Let's move on to Georgia taking on Michigan. Georgia is a 7.5-point favorite. I am taking Big Blue. Obviously, this isn't just the fanhood in me. Uh, we are the most physical team in college football. We have the best offensive line in college football. We have two top 15 overall defensive ends in college football. That is a recipe for success. Georgia just got pushed around the last time we seen them. There's no reason for me to believe that they can cover seven and a half. I'm taking Michigan. We all know where I'm going. Michigan's straight up. There's no reason to believe that we can't win this game. More physical, more powerful, better skill positions, better quarterback. I'm taking Michigan. Let's move on to some NFL rundown. First up, we got Dallas, minus six, taking on the Cardinals. Cardinals have been reeling. Cowboys have been rolling. Varun, where are you going? He can't be this bad in December. Absolutely cannot be this bad in December. I refuse to believe it. Based on premise, I'm taking the Cardinals. They have to win a game in this month. I am taking the Cow... or Excuse me, I'm taking the Cardinals as well. I just believe that Kyler Murray is so frustrated right now that there's no way... 
he allows the Cardinals to lose this. Uh, we've been hearing people call the Cardinals frauds for the last two weeks. I don't think they allow that to happen. I'm taking the Cardinals and the points. Moving on, Kansas City taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. Kansas City is a minus five and a half favorite. I'm rolling with the GOAT in the eight-game winning streak. Chiefs really look like they've hit their stride. Cincinnati is a sneaky good team, though. They have Joe Burrow. He's rolling. But at the end of the day, too much Chiefs, too much Patrick Mahomes, too much Andy Reid, and they beat up on the inexperienced uh, Bengals. Varun, where are you going? We're watching the maturation of Joe Burrow right in front of our eyes. They need a win. They need to solidify their playoff spot. They need to solidify the division. It's not to say that it isn't needed for Kansas City, but they need this game less than Cincinnati needs it. And I think Cincinnati gets it done in a must-win game. Moving on, we got Buffalo taking on the Atlanta Falcons. Buffalo is a minus 14-and-a-half. Maroon, are you rolling with Josh Allen and the Bills? Got to. Like, the Falcons are so bad. So beat up. Matt Ryan is cooked. I have no reason to pick the, 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 the Falcons in this game. There's no confidence I have in the Falcons. Buffalo, where you at? I'm rolling with you. Josh Allen and the Bills getting it done. I, I got to believe. I got to believe that MVP jo- candidate Josh Allen is starting to find his form as we get towards the playoffs. Moving on, New England, 16 and a half against the Jags. I'm just here to tell you, Varun, I don't believe in your noodle-arm quarterback. We're not doing that this again. That is the whole reason that you guys will not cover this line. I'm taking the Jags, and I'm taking the points because noodle-arm Mac can't win a football game. Trevor Lawrence sucks. I'm here to tell you right now. Trevor Lawrence sucks. He can make better throws than Mac Jones. He also throws the ball to the other team an awful lot and doesn't have more touchdowns than picks, so I don't care. I don't care about arm strength if you throw the ball to the other team more than you throw touchdowns. Um... I don't care what Urban did to him. Trevor Lawrence is a bust. I'm calling it right now. I'm calling it right here, right now. Trevor Lawrence is a future bust. I'm taking the Patriots. And last on the pick list, we got Seattle, minus seven, taking on my Detroit Lions. Seattle favored. But I got to roll with the Lions on this one. This is always the time where we try to win games that we should be losing. (laughs) And for some reason, Seattle just can't get it done. They don't look good. There's no cohesion. I think Detroit is the the football team with more pride. They're more disciplined, and they play together a lot more. And normally that means those are the teams that can win. Well, I don't know if Detroit's going to win, but I'm damn sure going to take them with the points. Varun, where are you going? Wouldn't pick this team if I... Had a death sentence incoming. No chance. I'm picking the Seahawks. Fuck the Lions. Well, there you have it, guys, with the picks. As you guys know, Varun and I picked five NFL, five college, but you guys know it's only the college football playoff. And we will see where we stand. Records going into this. I am 28-21-1. Varun, 22-27-1. So we'll see how this uh, shakes out. The picks records as we close on the football season of picks. And Varun, before we close it, let's just reflect really quickly on the year in sports. Talk about some of your favorite moments of the year. My singular favorite moment was beating Ohio State in the snow. Unmatched, top five moment of my life. Top, the number one 
in-person sports experience, and I've gone to several games in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been to a couple games. Mm-hmm. That includes the monsoon at Notre Dame, which yes. is probably the low point of your sports attendance life. Definitely one of the lowest. <laughs> um, the It's unmatched. Everything that got us to this point. The, the, the stuff we've had to go through as fans of Michigan for the last 20 years, mm-hmm. our, our entire sports watching lives, mm-hmm. it was unmatched. Mm-hmm. And, and I think this victory over Ohio State is more symbolic and more meaningful than the 2011 one because Absolutely. Ohio State's good. Ohio State's good. Jim Harbaugh. Big College 10. football playoff. Big Ten championship. Like, there's so much more that we got from that. Yes. And the and the and the program. Remember that 2011 team scrapped their way to so many wins. Yup. Scrapped their way to beating Notre Dame. Scrapped their way to beating the first half of their schedule. Yes. Like that team struggled at times. Yes. Denard didn't become 2011 Denard till the end of that year against Nebraska, and then against Ohio State when he turned into Superman. Yes. So there were always there were still some weird things with that team. This team, no doubts. This is a confident team. This is an elite team. Oh, remember how they also ratted it out in their bowl game against West Virginia Tech? That bowl game was horrific. Pretty sure Jordan was like eight of twenty-one in that game with two interceptions. There's nothing like that in the, on this team. This team is coherent. This team is elite. This team is powerful, and no one wants to play this team in the college football playoff. Not Bama, not Georgia, not Cincinnati. No one wants to play them. I'm with you on that. That's definitely one of the highlights of, of the year for me in sports. But just a couple ones I'll reflect on quickly. Number one, Hideki Matsuyama becoming the first Asian man to win the Masters. Huge moment for the for the continent of Asia, the country of Japan, and just in, in golf in general, and just for, for minorities in general. Um, I it, it was a huge moment, and... Hideki is one hell of a Masters champion. He represents it well. Um, another one, obviously, uh, Shohei Otani for the year that he had in baseball. Just remarkable to be the top pitcher on his team mm-hmm. and to do what he did, hitting uh, top three slugger in the American League, leading the major league in homers, uh, MVP, and almost won the Cy Young. I mean, this guy absolutely dominated mm-hmm. this year. And then last one I got for you is just how the NCAA came back and ran the March Madness tournament this year. Absolutely phenomenal to have it in one city at all the venues and and to really make it feel like they there was not there was nothing wrong. While there was no fans there and anything like that, this was a fantastic mm-hmm. March Madness after not having one in 2020. So I just figured I touch on those real quick before we close it, and let's close it now. We're watching Embiid say goodbye to Kevin Durant as he beat the Nets. They're talking. Kevin Durant and and Embiid have been talking shit for the past five minutes on screen. It's unbelievable what those two do when they get on the court together. But as you know, you can follow me on Twitter at SportsGuyS, spelled exactly how it sounds. Room will have in the description of the show. Make sure you follow the show page on Twitter at two six five Sports. To keep up with the episode, mailbag, all those things. It's glad to be back for you guys. I'm happy to be recording again. Like Varun said at the beginning of the show, school sucks and it's tough. But hopefully we're more consistent for you guys in 2022. Yes. As you guys know, I love doing this. And I thank all of our fans and our supporters. Not fans. You guys are fans. You guys are listeners. You guys are people. 
But I thank you guys for the support and the love that you show the show. Um, and it's just good to be back, man. Ev, as Ev says every five seconds on his Twitch, shout out to all the viewers. Shout out to all the viewers, baby. Shout out to all the Listeners viewers. Listeners in this case. Yep. So, at Sports Guy Ev, at 265 Sports, Varun, take it away. You can follow me on Twitter at Brad Stauskas, still at the basketball player. Nick Stauskas, thanks for bearing with us, guys. I'm in a master's program now. School is hard. School is hard. You, we, we, I got to study a lot for this. So, I needed to take a break for the fall semester, especially when I got into crunch time at the end. But we're back. And hopefully, now that I've got my, my feet wet in this program, I understand now what, you know, is expected and what, you know, you have to do to be successful in this kind of a program. Um, yeah, we'll be good. We'll be good. And that's an encouraging side because in 2022, there's a lot of stuff. NBA playoffs will be coming up. Yep. Another spring football league starts in the USFL. The Michigan Panthers, a team that's actually won a championship in football, will yes. be starting. I'm locked in. Go Panthers, go, baby. Yep. Go Panthers, Absolutely. go. But at Sports Guy, at 265 Sports, at Brown Stauskas, you guys enjoy your sports weekend and the college football playoff. Happy New Year's to you guys. Stay safe. Don't drink and drive. Get your boosters, and we'll see you guys next week. Varun, thank you for being here for a live show. We'll see you guys next week. We out!